0: It's time for the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast. On this edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast, a Thursday night brawl, you viked that in so many more interesting headlines from this week in the NFL. Plus, Colin Kaepernick's Saturday workout Fantasy Football Files, and so much more. Make sure you stay tuned for another exciting episode.
1: I'm glad you connected. This is Dave Johnson, voice of the Washington Wizards. You have connected to the right place because you are listening to my man, Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast.
0: All right. Another edition of the Josh Kirby on Sports Podcast here with you today. Um, beautiful evening outside. I want to say, you know, it's starting to get cold. Holidays are coming up, but we have a lot to get to. Started for you here on the podcast, a lot of great sports talk. I'm really excited for this episode. But before we begin, we're part of the Mayo Police Podcast Network. Make sure you check them out on Instagram, Twitter, and all streaming platforms. We are sponsored by Rat 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserves. As always, I want to thank Dave Johnson, MPT Now Productions, and JR Beats Official. As always I'm joined with contributor Dan Dembski, live from Blacksburg Virginia. Dan, Virginia Tech had a pretty commanding win over Wake Forest. Excuse, yes, Wake Forest. I forget who it was. Was it Wake Georgia Forest? Tech. Georgia, Georgia Tech. Georgia Tech. The colors are similar. That's why I thought yes. it was Wake Forest. <laughs> so I understand. Anyways, um, very commanding win in shutout fashion. Where's that putting Virginia Tech in the standings for the Coastal and a bull bid?
1: Well, they are currently tied for second. Um, technically second and first, because I think UVA, Virginia Tech, and uh, Pitt all have the same conference record. And same overall record. So, you know, our last two games of the season, of course, are against Pitt and UVA, naturally. Um, so, you know, it's it's not out of the question. In fact, it's looking pretty strong if that last game of the season against UVA comes down to deciding the, the coastal division of the ACC. So um, they're right where they need to be right now, Josh, and they're finally in the top 25. They cracked the top 25. Um, if you would have asked me a month ago, you know, did I, what I think, that they would end up in the top 25, I would have laughed. Um, you know, they were, the sky was falling not that long ago. So um, the fact that they've been able to turn it around ever since the Duke game and, and put themselves in the position that they put themselves in um, is, is incredible. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm going to be staying uh, this weekend, at least uh, for the game on Saturday. And I, my dad's coming down. We're going to go. And um, it's a huge game. So it it has a lot of implications on the coastal, and it's going to be exciting.
0: Yes, sir. I love to hear it. And still grinding away at ESPN Blacksburg covering volleyball for Virginia Tech. So as always, make sure you check Dan out on Twitter at Dan the VT Man ninety seven. Dan, a lot to unpack from this past week of yeah. NFL football. Uh, before we get into all the games and stuff. Um well I want to talk about the incident in this Thursday night football matchup. Miles Garrett. Uh unbelievable. I went to bed at halftime of that game, and I woke up in every single news and media outlet had a story about Miles Garrett taking off Mason Rudolph's helmet. They got into a fight. And Miles Garrett proceeds to hit Mason Rudolph with his own helmet, which is uncalled for. And as we're unpacking this story over the next couple of days, you, uh, I've realized yes, Mason Rudolph did start the fight by trying to take Miles Garrett's helmet off, but you know there were things on both sides that led to. The both teams fighting and it it was really uncalled for what Miles Garrett did. Even if Mason Rudolph started it, I've said this multiple times off air. It's still there's no place for it in the NFL, and his suspension for the rest of the season is a great call. And there might be more tacked on for next year. But yeah, what's really really. Irritating me about this is Mason Rudolph just got off the concussion protocol. So, what if something were to happen if Miles Garrett hurt Mason Rudolph and you know he couldn't have played football again? But a very, very crazy night on Thursday night between the Steelers and Browns. We'll unpack that game later on in the episode, but. Um, As of today, Mason Rudolph is going to be fined for his actions. $35,096, according to ESPN's Adam Schefter. Um, Dan, I'm sure you watched some of that game, if not all of it. Um, Give me your thoughts about what, what you saw on that Thursday night matchup.
1: I've never seen anything like that on a football field in my lifetime. Not not in, in an NFL game certainly. And uh, you know, I, I think the NFL did the right thing as far as punishing um Miles Garrett. So he should be suspended for the rest of the year and maybe part of next year. Um if, if just depending on how the whole uh situation goes and if he can prove that he can uh um you know, kind of you know, seem like he's changed his way per se. So that's really the key going forward for him. Um, yeah, and you made a great point. I was actually going to bring that up. What if, you know, if that if he catches him with the harder part of the helmet, and I had I heard this today um, on uh, the Tony Kornheiser show, they had uh, CBS um, NFL insider uh, Jason and for on, and he was talking about, um, you know, if he, if Miles Garrett had hit him with the harder part of the helmet, I mean, you could be talking about criminal charges at that point. Um, especially if there was, you know, if he busted his head or something like that, you're you're talking about going from, you know, the NFL punishing Miles Garrett to all of a sudden um, they're going to be in the courtroom. There were,
0: there were talks about Mason Rudolph filing charges, but he declined to, but that, that, that was a crime, Dan. I mean, I I've said this multiple times off air before. What, what if I came to your, house in Blacksburg hit you upside the head with a table that's assault with a weapon and i'd be in jail yeah no i totally normal I, normal humans can't get away with that and no. um i i was very you, you know, i wasn't really surprised but i was hoping that some, in the back of my mind that miles garrett would have been arrested on the field and walked off by police officers but we all know that's not going to happened, but still that that was on the borderline of probably Miles Garrett getting prosecuted in a court of law if Mason Rudolph decided to take that route.
1: Yeah, and I think you had a case. I mean obviously you have a video evidence that's pretty clear as day what happened. Um I think any anyone with eyes could see that. Um but I you know I kind of disagree over the Mason Rudolph punishment. Um, you know, I, I think he should have gotten some sort of um low grade suspension, maybe a couple games um in his role, just because not just because he initiated the fight, but it, it, if you take a look at the things that happened, he tried to rip um miles Garrett's helmet off and and kick him in his uh uh let's say his private parts um let's call it that let's be respectful um and you know i i just i kind of think in that in in a situation like this, I think everyone involved needs some sort of suspension. Um, I, I just don't know if you can um if you can justify spending a couple players and, and finding the one who was probably the main one um who was obviously the main one affected by, you know, um you know, Miles Garrett swing the helmet of course. Um but Marquise Pouncey was uh suspended and then a Cleveland defensive lineman, uh Larry uh on I'm not even sure how to say his name. Anyway. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, I I
0: was thinking how to say his name too. I I, I can't, <laughs> but uh, we'll call him Larry. He got, he, perfect. got he got a one he,
1: game suspension.
0: Yeah, because of that cheap shot afterwards in the end zone. He just shoved him from behind, like cross checking in hockey. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I just I, you know I, like I said, I think the punishment for Miles Garrett was was perfect. I I think it was it needed to be a quick response from the league. Normally they take two to three days after the incident to make something happen. This time they jumped on it immediately, which they should have done. And, uh, you know, that, so that I think was justified. I just, I, I, I just can't understand not just finding Mason Rudolph. I have heard both sides of it. Um, you know, even, even a one game suspension to me would have would have been enough and, and not finding him. Um, because I, you know, I I don't really think a fine does much good when there's when there's when there's situations like this. Um, you know, I don't think the player really learns from that situation. So, you know, it it really could have gone either way. He could have been fined. He could have been suspended. But uh, you know, the, the the interesting thing now is, you know, what's going to happen the next time these two teams play, even without Miles Garrett on the field for for the Browns, it's going to be interesting. Um, you know, this is kind of a new rivalry. Remember, for quite a while in that division, it was Pittsburgh and Cincinnati who had sort of the rough games. Memorable one was that 2015. Um, I think it was a playoff game um, where Antonio Brown got a, got a concussion, um, and that was a, that was a really that was a really bloody game. So it could be interesting to see if these if these two teams are um, you know fired up for this next game. Obviously, they're fired up anyway, but this just adds more fuel to the fire, and maybe this is a birth of a new rivalry in in this division, which has had its fair share of rivalries throughout the throughout the years.
0: Yeah. So, um, uh, other than that, while while we're on this game, just really quick, the game just looked very sloppy. The Steelers looked really sloppy, and the Browns got a much needed win, but it. All around, it was a very, very sloppy game, in my opinion, just recapping this game really quick before we move into our next topic and the Sunday games.
1: Yeah, uh, Rudolph really did not play well, and I, you know, I think, I I don't think it justifies him uh, kind of starting that, that initial, um, initial response, I guess, but Um, you know, he he had four interceptions and of course the Steelers lose 21 to seven. They were frustrated in that loss. You could see it. And, uh, it kind of, kind of spilled over and got, got way out of hand quickly. Um, thanks to Miles Garrett and and thanks to Miles Garrett, mostly I'd say, but, uh, you know,
0: yeah, so, um, Moving on, before we get into the Sunday slate, I also want to talk about one other piece of news. Um, Colin Kaepernick had his workout on Saturday, and um, I saw some of the highlights. It looked like he was making some pretty good throws. But uh, in my opinion, if some team decides to sign Colin Kaepernick, which I am not really sure if that will happen, uh, will he be the same as he was two, three years ago when he was last in the league? That that That's my whole thing on it. I really don't want to make this political because this is a sports podcast. But uh, right. did you happen to watch the Kaepernick workout?
1: I, I saw bits and pieces of it. Uh, it's just, it's impossible to tell. I'll, I'll be honest uh, of whether a guy's going to be able to play in pads, in full contact, in an NFL environment. Um, we know he's kept in good shape. We've seen that. He's had multiple workout videos, multiple sort of training videos that he's done to show that he's in shape. That's not the concern. I think the concern is if he can take a hit by, by an NFL defensive end at this point. You know, he's been away from the game for so long, and you definitely lose that part of it once you're away for so long. So um, I, I just, I, I'm. I'm hesitant to say whether he could play or not right now. I, I really don't know. Um, I think the way he handled the situation, um, the way he suddenly switched the venue and um, sort of made it kind of more about him or more about the, the media side of things, getting more uh, PR per se, uh, really hurts him. It really hurts him at the end of the day. So I'm not sure if a team's going to sign him anyway. Um, I, I, I think at least this season we won't see him signed. Um, and of course, that's going to create some issues. But um, I'm not sure if he can be productive. I just—it's—it's it's way too hard to tell from a guy working out in shorts and t-shirt just throwing the ball around to some of his friends um, if he can play at at an NFL level. It's—it's—it's it's, it's impossible to say at this point in time until he tries out, uh, until he has a, a workout for an NFL team, and then we get a better chance of really of what he's uh, of of what he can do with pads on not getting hit obviously in a workout but at least with shoulder pads and see how he performs. So um I I there are a couple teams that are interested. I I've heard today there's been some rumblings supposedly. It's nothing's been official yet. Uh but I just I I don't see how he gets signed at this point in time. I think if he, you know, it handled it the way that it was originally intended where he goes to the Falcons training facility and works out there in front of 28 uh, NFL scouts instead of seven, which is which are seven teams who showed up.
0: Including the, the Redskins.
1: Right. The Red, uh, Lions, Chiefs, Jets, Eagles, 49ers, uh, Titans, and Skins uh, were all there. So, um, you know, you would have had most of the NFL, I don't, maybe it wasn't 28, it was 25, 25 NFL teams that were going to um, uh, be there um at at the falcons practice uh, the falcons facility you know that that would have worked better for him anyway so i just i i don't know josh it's impossible it's impossible i mean i could go out there in shorts and t-shirt and and throw the ball around and make a case for myself to be an nfl quarterback um now obviously he's got experience um he played in a super bowl so you know there's there's no doubt that he he in in the past he could definitely he could definitely do it. I just think you've been away from the game for three years. It's really hard, really, really hard to say definitively whether he is going to be back um, and going to be at the same level. I don't think he can be at the same level, but that's just how I feel.
0: Yeah. So, and after the workout, he had a press conference saying, We're open to interview with any of the 32 teams. His agent will. Right, be open about that, and um, there was a t- shirt he was wearing that had political views, so i I don't want to go into that that much, but uh s- still, there's a part of me that thinks this is just for him to gain publicity in the media. um I could be shooting that out of out of left field, excuse me, but that's a thought looming in the back of my mind as well
1: yeah i you know i i think that's a that's a fair take i i think it's impossible to tell we just don't know um but you know certainly the the way he handled the situation like i said changing the venue um making it open to the media um you know those um you know that that sort of seems to me like a like a publicity stunt sort of thing but again I think he could play in the n f l I just don't know at what level he can play, and that's going to be the cons- that's the concern I think for a lot of people because he's been away for so long.
0: Yeah, so um, who knows? Um, but Colin Kaepernick, Colin Kaepernick, did have a workout. Um, if it goes anywhere, time will tell. So let's move into this Sunday slate of game uh, games. Um, not really that many great matchups. Um, just a few I want to touch on, Dan. We'll start with Baltimore's route over Houston. Um, I was yeah. very surprised when I saw Baltimore shutting out Houston through three quarters of the football game with a six and three record on Houston's end. I thought this game would be more competitive on both sides of the football, but Baltimore just played better on all sides of the ball. And Lamar Jackson, yep. four touchdowns, 222 yards, including 86 rushing yards. What a day for the Baltimore Ravens in all. And uh, I, I'm going to let you unpack this game a little bit, a little bit more for us.
1: Yeah, it was uh, it was a slow start. No score in the first quarter. Um, it was basically a punt fest to start the game. Uh, the Ravens missed a field goal. They had some missed opportunities, uh, um, but really, the you know the Texans just couldn't move the ball all game long. They they really struggled. The Ravens defense is really starting to just play at an unbelievable level. That's the third week in a row now they've down a really solid quarterback. Of course, with starting with um, with Russell Wilson a couple weeks back, and then Tom Brady, and now. Um, and now Sean Watson I forgot his name that's terrible um <laughs> uh so they you know they held Sean Watson to to no touchdowns and, and an interception um this defense is is really stepped up they've really played well and the offense is clicking better than any other offense I think right now and people who think Lamar Jackson isn't you know a, uh, isn't an MVP uh, contender are crazy. I mean, his numbers speak for themselves, and and he can throw the ball a lot better than people give him credit for. Uh, so that's certainly something to look to look forward to. But yeah, this this game was surprising to me as well, Josh. Especially um, coming out in the second quarter, going up fourteen nothing, and then coming out of the coming out of the break, and then keeping pace with that in the third and fourth, um, get, getting to forty one. This this is not a a team historically, offensively, that's been able to put up these kinds of numbers. Um, They're not an organization that's been able to put up 35 to to 40 points per game. That's just not what they do. They've been, for, for the longest time, a defensive team. And, you know, right now they've got both those things working. And I think they're just starting to prove more and more each week that they're not only a Super Bowl contender but that Lamar Jackson is an MVP contender, and I, I a lot of people put him at the top of the, at the top of the list right now. And you know, it's if he keeps winning games and keeps p- performing the way he has, which has been phenomenal, then he's definitely going to be there. Um, I think you can make a case for Russell Wilson as well. He's had an unbelievable season. So those two guys, I think, are really battling it out right now. So, um, yeah, I, I was extremely surprised and very impressed with how with how they play. And I I I've never in my lifetime seen a Ravens team dominate, you know, games like this. So this is this is new for me. Um <laughs> and I I just hope they keep doing it. I hope they can keep it up. Uh they have to they play the Rams Monday night football here in, in Los Angeles, uh coming up on Monday night. So I'm really forward to watching that game. I'll be at home. So maybe um, you know, get together with some friends and we'll watch that one hopefully. And uh, just try to enjoy it because they they really haven't had many primetime games, and maybe this will be the you know people are starting to see that this team is for real.
0: Yeah, uh, you have your opinion. That's fine, but I still think it's too early to make a case on who will be going to the Super Bowl. Um, That's just my opinion. I just said
1: contender. I just said contender. I mean, I'm not saying they're going to be in the Super Bowl contender just means they have a pretty good shot. And right now, I mean, they're, they're, you know, they're the second best team in the AFC behind the Patriots. The Patriots are not playing, are not playing like the Patriots. Um, And I'm sure we'll touch on their game uh, this, that was this past Sunday. So um, I think the Ravens are the best team in the AFC and, you know, they're, they're getting hot at the right time right now.
0: Yeah. But, um, all in all, that was a great win, and I was very surprised. So um, moving on, um, Dallas kept it really close. Um, Detroit with their backup quarterback, Jeff Driscoll, um, two touchdowns in that game. They kept it close for most of the game, but Dallas came, came away with the win 35-27. to um, Atlanta, what, what's going on with Atlanta? Only
1: They're getting hot
0: oh my god 29 to 3 the panthers only put up three points and i mean the panthers they just looked awful in that game and the falcons they might be turning around turning it around at just the right time
1: well dan quinn's gonna keep his job and i think a couple weeks ago that was a concern um i i think they've have they won three straight games now? They No, no. They two. Were going seven. They, they, were, they beat New they Orleans, Orleans and They're then they one, beat so.
0: Carolina.
1: That's right. Okay. So, I mean, they've rattled off two two great wins in a row, especially against New Orleans. I don't think many people expected that. Uh, but how about the Atlanta defense, holding, you know, the Panthers to just three points, a team that has one of the best running backs um, in the NFL, and Christian McCaffrey, they, they bottled him up just had 70 yards on the ground and McCaffrey was also their leading receiver. Um, he's pretty much their whole offense. And they, you know, I think the game plan for Kyle Allen is like, just get McCaffrey the football, but four interceptions pretty much tells the story and tells you everything you need to know about this game. The Atlanta defense was relentless and um, has really stepped up here, here in the last couple weeks, especially against new Orleans and now, and now against Carolina. Um, I think Dan Quinton, like I said at the beginning of my of my talking, which I do a lot of, um keeps his job and I, I i think that's pretty solidified now. he's got them playing pretty solid football um I mean they've got some work to do they've they've got a lot of issues still, but look, they're three and seven, and that's not great, but they've won two straight games and pretty much dominated in both of them so and against formidable opponents and you know. I I think Matt Ryan. I don't. I don't don't know how much he has left in the tank. I think he could play two or three more years, maybe. Um, But you know, he's he's played really well this year for them. He's still been a top tier passer. They've just had a bad season, and they haven't. He hasn't had a lot of help um, on his side of the ball, and and the defense, of course. um, But prior to that game against the Saints, had not been helping him out either. But now, they they look like a different team. Josh looks like they're playing inspired football and. You know, I think that's worth more than people gave it credit for.
0: Yeah, so from one upset in the Falcons and the Panthers, moving on to another crazy upset. Dan, from you like that to do you like that, the Minnesota Vikings down 20 to nothing at home against the struggling Denver Broncos. It looks like Vic Fangio put together the greatest game plan but then meet Kirk Cousins 319 yards in three touchdowns putting up seven points in the third quarter in 20 points in the I'm sorry, the third quarter in 20 points in the fourth quarter to beat mm-hmm. the Broncos 27 to 23 granted the Broncos had almost a great drive but they could not cap it off with an incompletion in the end zone, in the Vikings, th- this was the game of the week, hands down. The Vikings down twenty to nothing, coming back and winning. We've seen this in Kirk Cousins before. What does this mean for the Minnesota Vikings moving forward? with this statement win?
1: Uh, it's it's a huge win, not only in the uh, uh, in the implication of just getting a win, but look at where they sit right now. They're eight and three. They're right where they want to be in the standings. Um of course, you know, it's gonna be hard, I think, to catch uh, you know, Green Bay at, at this point, but uh give me a sec, this thing's taking forever to load. Um, you know, they're they're a wild card team right now, they're the sixth seed. Um and they if the if the playoffs started today they would travel to New Orleans uh to play the Saints. So uh, you know, they're they're a fantastic football team. Um and that and this win proves it, but it also proves on the other side of the ball that the Broncos choked. I mean, let's face it, you you cannot blow a twenty a twenty nothing lead. It just can't happen, um, especially when everything was going your way. And I I think the issue was in that game, and the issue is in general when you blow a lead like that, you get too you, you get too conservative. Uh, you just want to run clock instead of trying to put up more points. And that seemed to be the Broncos' issue. They just couldn't move the ball. Give credits also to the Vikings' defense, Josh. They really set it up in the third, in the second half. Um, but you know, I I think there's always give and take in a game like this. And Kirk Cousins, he was fantastic. Uh, but the but the Broncos just with the ultimate choke job. You know, that's that's the way I see it. So um, it's a huge win for for the Vikings. They they stay in that wild card spot right now. And, uh, you know, they're they're actually only one game behind the uh, they're actually one game behind Green Bay right now. So um, I believe they play. I believe they play one more time. I think they've already played once this season. So that's going to be a fun one to watch. And, um, you know, the, to to me right now, the NFC is is very intriguing. There's a lot of teams that are sitting right now at eight and two and eight and three. So, um, you know, Minnesota is right where they need to be. And, and that's that's a key thing for them moving forward. And you know um we'll see we'll see how it plays out throughout the season
0: all right so other matchups in the league buffalo beats miami 37 to 20 new orleans over tampa bay 34 to 17 san francisco almost let one slip away against arizona arizona was leading for the most part of that game from what i have seen but they come mm-hmm. away with the win there Oakland over Cincinnati, who drops to 0-10 on the season. Um, the Rams and the Bears, 17-7. to Chicago just did not have the pop they needed, and it looked That's like Trubisky time. went out with another injury. But uh, uh, mm-hmm. another game I want to unpack a little bit, Dan, is the New England-Philadelphia game. Um, very close game, but it just looks like New England hasn't been playing – on the highest gear that they should. Although this isn't a problem, but the Eagles almost beat the Patriots, but the Eagles just didn't have what it, t- it took to produce a game-winning drive.
1: Uh, well, you know, I think I think for the Patriots, they, they have a Super Bowl-caliber defense. Um, and this is probably the best defense that Tom Brady has ever uh, had in his career. Um, to be able to go out there and, and not have to throw through four touchdowns. And, and in recent years, Brady hasn't been that way, but he really he, you've really started this year to see the aging, and you've really started to see that he really is playing like a 40-plus-year-old quarterback now. Um, and it, it makes you wonder really how much time he's got left in the National Football League because he's not nearly the player he was even a year ago. So, um, you know, the Eagles had so many chances, Josh, especially on offense, Carson Wentz um and that offense they they have talent they they have guys who can make plays but for whatever reason they just couldn't get it clicking and drive after drive after drive I I watched that game uh most of that second half and I think the Eagles had like four or five straight punts uh, um in a row so you know even on third and short they couldn't convert you know that's that's a concern um and you know the Eagles aren't a playoff team I think that's that's Represented, but they're paying Carson Wentz a, a pretty penny, um, and he had, you know, five or six passes that were dropped interceptions. So this game could have been more of a blowout. Um, and I, again, I think a lot of the credit goes to New England's defense for just frustrating Carson Wentz, forcing him to make a lot of bad throws. And and like I said, I think I think Brady he's running out of time. Um, he's just not very, um, you know, his his arm strength doesn't seem to be there and that's concerning if you're, if you're a Pats fan, um, you know, it, it has to end sometime. He's been in the league for 19 seasons. You know, you have to start to move on from that. And maybe that, that day's coming sooner than later because he really is not the same quarterback um, that, that he's been in previous years.
0: Yeah. So um, great game to watch. Another great, Game on the four o'clock slate of games. Um, the last game on Monday night was the Kansas City Chiefs and Los Angeles Chargers played in Mexico. Um, not sure if you got a chance to watch that game, Dan. But um, the, uh, how how do you like the fact that the league is playing a game a year in Mexico now?
1: I I I don't have a problem with it. I I, I think the more the NFL can branch out, and you know we've seen them do it in London um there there's been talks they've been trying to expand to other places in Europe possibly you know i i think it's a good thing you get fans inter, internationally and um it helps to grow the brand that's that's the ultimate goal here is is to grow the nfl so i like it um you know it, i it's um I, I, you know a lot of people can debate whether or not they enjoy it or not i i think it's a good thing for the league it's a good thing for these players because um they get seen by sort of a different audience uh down in Mexico so um you know our you know that that game though was uh, was very close and the chargers i mean they they just they they just gave the ball away practically yeah
0: yeah there were too many turnovers in that game
1: yeah philip rivers had four interceptions and i would wow. i would put him sort of on the same Sort of pedestal that I put Tom Brady on just recently and that's you know time's running short and he really is not the same quarterback he, he was a season ago it it's almost like they're the same script Um and you know Philip Rivers pretty much single-handedly costed the Chargers that game They only lost by a touchdown but he had four interceptions you know Patrick Mahomes didn't play that well either he had a touchdown but he also had a pick in less than 200 yards um it's a wonder what that injury has done to him. Maybe, um, you know, we've seen now that he's human, obviously, and he's not the, um, the freak of nature. He was um, at the beginning of this season and then throughout last year, he was unbelievable. Um, and uh, you know, I, I, I think the chargers are, they, they just got a lot of questions right now. It starts with Philip rivers. Where do you, Where do you draw the line? I I think they need to draft a quarterback, Um, and I I think we see it this season. Obviously, the quarterback class at the top is not too deep, and now with Tua's injury, uh, that's going to be an even bigger question mark for a lot of teams. Um, But you got to start moving forward. It's the same thing with the Patriots. It's the same thing with the Chargers. I think it's a little easier to replace Phillip Rivers than it is with Tom Brady because Brady has the rings, Phillip Rivers – has, has won, you know, very few playoff games in his career. So um, he just played poorly. I mean, that's the bottom line.
0: Yeah. So that about wraps up our week 11 talk, but I have sort of a mini segment, um, I, I want to get your opinion on this before we move on to the next segment, Dan. Dan, who is the bigger dumpster fire in the National Football League? The o and oh, ten boy. Cincinnati Bengals or the one in nine Washington Redskins?
1: You know, I'm I'm not gonna go with the record here. I'm I'm gonna go with the team that is the bigger dumpster fire, and it's the Washington Redskins. Um they have an insane amount of issues um on both sides of the ball just watching that game on Sunday it's it's saddening really uh to watch them play because um considering where they were last year before the Alex Smith injury they were right there in the playoff hunt um and and now how far they how far they've fallen and the drama seems to just get more and more i think it's you know partly because uh you know i pay attention to sort of that D, that uh dc sports media um side of things but um you know Dwayne Haskins yelling at his offensive lineman that that was caught on uh I think I was caught there by NFL films um, his performance you know two two garbage time touchdowns for him you know by then it was it was a blowout and this game shouldn't have been a blowout Josh it's it's inexcusable um so uh, they're the bigger dumpster fire and I think it starts at the top and it starts with you know, people can blame Dan Snyder, and I think he, of course, is to be blamed. But it starts with, with with Bruce Allen's comments halfway through the season, or or a little bit before that, where he said the Redskins have a quote, damn good culture. Um, and that that that, first of all, that was a joke of a statement, and I and we've seen that they they don't have a good culture there, and it's it's like like I said, it's saddening as someone who's followed the Redskins for you know most of my life seen have seen sort of the crumble this year and the collapse of of this football team they, they nothing's working for them um you know they they've they've they have a lot of drama in that in that general managers and the general manager side of things um you know Bill callahan is not a good football coach um he's supposed to be this genius i'm not seeing it josh and i think he was the wrong move um they they should have brought in someone with Someone younger with a with a better vision with a better vision, but you know, this is Bruce Allen and this is the Redskins we're talking about. They're the bigger dumpster fire, um, even though the Bengals are 0 10. Um, you know, the Bengals are playing Ryan Finley right now, so they're they're not gonna win any games uh probably the rest of the season. But uh I, I think they have they still have less concerns than the Redskins do moving forward. And I think it starts um with that offense and they're just they're they're inept ability to move the football
0: uh yeah you do realize that jay gruden got fired halfway through the season and bill callahan has the interim tag on him correct
1: oh yeah i know i know but he's but he's the head coach right now um so that's kind of why i said what i said so. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I I mean, it's sort of tough to bring in a guy, a brand new head coach halfway through the season. So th- th- they'll be on the hunt next year. I guarantee it. But some points from this you, <clears throat> Bruce Allen's comments about a darn good culture. I'm going to paraphrase that, but it, Trent Williams has made it clear he will never play for the Redskins again. If you call yeah. that a darn good culture, why? I, I don't get it's it. A
1: circus, it's yeah, a circus, and and it's it's a dumpster fire and a circus all in, all at one. And if that that story alone pretty much sums it up, sums up the the culture and and just the team in general.
0: And the fans towards the end of the game, with what fans were left, were chanting to Dan Snyder sell the team.
1: Yep, yep, that's uh, yep, that's that's the sign of a dumpster fire, Josh. <laughs> that's uh that's by the book
0: and dan would you like to have some fun this weekend because club level seats at the redskins game against the lions are only 16 bucks
1: hey man that that doesn't sound too bad you want to make the drive
0: <laughs> i i i mean i i i'm not sure would, would you spend 16 bucks to have a great time knowing the Redskins will lose but enjoy the football experience or does nah, that show how terrible the Redskins are and how much oh, money that... Dan Snyder is losing from these plummeting ticket ticket sales
1: it's it's sad and it's very sad and it it shows how bad that situation really is and um Anytime ticket prices drop, it's it's not a good sign, um, especially when they drop like that, sixteen dollars. I I can't imagine.
0: Yeah, and um, that's in the two hundred level.
1: Yep, yeah, that's that's pretty close. So,
0: Upper level um, is five bucks.
1: Man, that's like that's like going to a game in the nineteen seventies. Jeez.
0: Yeah, I I um, I can't believe it, but it, it's very 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 sad.
1: I got to get butts in the seats, and I, I guess that's the only way to do it. Uh, because the Redskins fans haven't been showing out, and I and I don't blame them. I don't blame them. Nobody wants to wants to watch a team on the field who's played that way. And of course, with the owner being as um, what's the word blind as he's been, um, that's that's extremely frustrating, not just for Redskins fans but for football fans alike.
0: R- Redskins fans, um, if you're still hopeful on the Redskins getting good in the next couple of years. It's not going to happen. We, they will be a rebuilding team for a long, long, long time. I am not expecting another playoff run for maybe 10 to 15 years after that. I'll maybe get that's a hot take. Yeah.
1: Flipping hot take, man. Wow.
0: Okay, yeah, maybe years. maybe we'll get this viral, but 10 to 15 years. I am I'm not expecting a, a winning season or a playoff run. If they can do it earlier, great for them. I'll be cheering you on. But if not, I fully expected it. I, I'm a Redskins fan till I die. I, I'm there for a win, lose, or tie. It's hard, but I just can't hop the bandwagon, you know?
1: Okay, I have that down. 10 to 15 years playoff run Josh Kirby. 11-19 2019. Perfect. All right.
0: Got it. Jot it down so we Dan. Have it down. So, I got that, it. Th- that's our week 11 segment um coming up next, Fantasy Football Files with Jason Kamlowski. You're listening to the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast.
2: Hey everybody, welcome back to Fantasy Files. Uh, I'm your host Jason Kamlowski part of the Josh Kirby podcast. I'm uh, going to do something a little bit different this week and toy around with some DFS talk. Uh instead of doing like a season long thing, um maybe look at some um tournaments on DraftKings, talk about some good plays for your GPPs and tournaments. Um going to get started off here. Uh just talk a little bit briefly about last week uh lamar jackson obviously another like monster week just i mean he's kind of bankable um you know whether you're talking yearly or dfs but he's kind of bankable across any format right now same thing with christian mccaffrey if you own and it's quite possible in a year long that you own both of those guys if you do you got to be you're really good about where you're at with them uh, i'm sure there's some teams out there in redraft too that you know have like a mccaffrey davin cook lamar jackson look and if you're if you're in that Kind of, if you're in that boat, I mean, you're you've got to be feeling pretty good about, you know, where you're at, um, which is it's just one of those things, uh, you know. When we kind of look back on where we were in August versus now, we've talked about this a little bit before, but when we go back and look at kind of where we were in August, you know, sometimes you're just you're wrong. Sometimes injuries hit, uh, and then sometimes you know players just they don't really pan out the way we think they do, um, you know, which is why I think sometimes it's okay. Um, to just take a stance on a guy, uh, you know, just and just if you like them, just take the stance. I mean, that's kind of where I was with Lamar Jackson, you know, just take the stance and and just be prepared to roll, kind of with the punches. But um, you know, and and when we're getting down to the point, we are in season long. Um, for a lot of you listening, I mean, that, you know, you might be out of your season long stuff, so that's why I'm going to talk a little bit about the DFS spin. Um you know for those of you that don't play DraftKings you know it's it's a one week kind of thing there's pricing um where you fit in players under a salary cap uh you start a quarterback two running backs three wide receivers a tight end a flex um and then a defense and obviously you pay for cash prizes uh DraftKings is a PPR site uh and you also get bonuses for 100 yards rushing and receiving and 300 yards and 400 yards passing so um, I think most people out there that probably play fantasy sports have heard of DFS before. Uh, but you know, we'll go ahead and go through, um, you know, some of the top options here and, uh, you know, we'll start at quarterback like we always do. Russell Wilson, um, priced up a little bit, 6,800, but a great matchup, um, against Philadelphia, which is, you know, they're, they're coming off, uh, where they actually, the Philadelphia defense played pretty well against Tom Brady last week, uh, held him in check, um, but Russ, you know, coming into Philadelphia, this is one of those games. It's an early game. It's an, it's an early kickoff, uh, I believe. Yeah, it's an early kickoff game. So, you know, the Seahawks with an implied team total of uh, almost 23 and a half. Um, they're actually an underdog right now to the Eagles. Um, and I think that's probably accounting for the cross-country trip and the early kickoff. But uh, Russ is, uh, is a strong play this week. Just from a uh, pure points-for-dollar standpoint, uh, looking, you know, in an early look at, at the quarterback situation, um, I don't know that this is a week that I will be paying up um, for Russell Wilson. I think there's there's some better spots that we can talk about. Um, but Russ is always one of the top plays on the slate, especially in a game where, you know, it looks like we're looking at, um, you know, uh, a total of somewhere in the neighborhood of 48 or 49. And obviously it's early in the week, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday night. Um, so it's early in the week, but you know, the Seahawks, um, you know, just the, the thing with Russ, and I think this is the thing we always look at with DFS and just kind of putting the DFS slant on Russ, is what's his volume going to be like? Uh Is he going to get, you know, 30, 35, you know, pass attempts, or is this going to be more of like a, a Chris Carson type game where Russ is only, you know, throwing the ball 25, 26, 27 times? Uh, I actually tend to lean towards, you know, we might get high volume Russ this week. And obviously if we do, you know, the sky's the limit for him. Uh, we could be looking at you know I, I don't know that this is like a ceiling game for Russell Wilson per se, um, but I do think there's there's a good chance that you know we could see you know that that kind of twenty eight twenty nine point upside, um, you know for Russell Wilson and and you know he always has the opportunity to go off for for a forty point plus game um, on DraftKings. I just don't think this is necessarily the spot. I, th- I think this is probably a, a sneakier spot than than maybe some people think. I mean, obviously Vegas knows something, making the Eagles the favorite coming in. Um, I think Russ would be a fantastic tournament option this week, but, I mean, I'm not normally one to pay up uh, for a quarterback in cash. So I will probably not have many shares of him there, but um, you know Russ is always good in tournaments. Um, moving down off the price list a little bit, I mean we get we get Matt Ryan in an absolute smash spot against Tampa Bay. Um, Tampa Bay, one of the biggest pass funnel defenses in the NFL. You know, in Atlanta, at home. Um, you know and I think anytime you get Atlanta at home and it looks like they're really starting to play a little bit better I mean they've shown you know they've shown some signs of life uh, and the Falcons team total is actually one of the highest on the board with at twenty seven and a half um, they're actually tied with the Browns right now for the highest team total um, so this is definitely a spot where maybe you could look to Matt Ryan uh, as a pivot off of Russell Wilson um, Matt Ryan is almost a, a guarantee every week for the 300 point or the 300 yard bonus on Draftkings. Um, and if we're just, again, this is a purely because he's at 6,700. I mean, he's the second highest priced quarterback on the slate. Um, but if, but if we can get into a situation where, you know, we get kind of shootout Matt Ryan. Um, you know, in a game like like he had against Arizona, maybe a game like he had against Houston. Um, you know, we kind of like we kind of like our our opportunity here. The question I have is, um, are we going to get shootout Matt Ryan or not? I think we will. Uh, Tampa Bay, you know, likes to. Throw the ball a lot. I think the biggest question I have right now is Tampa Bay: um, can they keep up with Atlanta? The ta- uh, the Atlanta offense has looked fantastic the last two weeks, or the de- I'm sorry, the fin- uh, Atlanta defense has looked fantastic the last two weeks. Um, you know, if this is a game where it turns into, you know, Jameis um, goes bad, Jameis on us and throws, you know, five interceptions in the first half, uh, maybe Matt Ryan doesn't get that volume. So it a lot of this is going to depend on you know whether or not. The Falcons, um, you know, have to keep throwing the ball in the second half again. If we, you know, if we get one of those Matt Ryan thirty-five attempt games, then yes, he's absolutely worth paying up for. If we don't, uh, we may want to look elsewhere. And I think, you know, again, in tournaments, definitely viable in tournaments. You can pair him with Julio. You can pair him with Calvin Ridley. Um, if Austin Hooper's back, you can definitely pair him with Austin Hooper. Um, but you know, Matt Ryan always viable um, in tournaments. Now. Looking at some other quarterbacks as we move down the pricing list. Uh, I think Baker Mayfield stands out this week, though, as one of the better values on the board at 5,900 going up against the Dolphins. Uh, The Dolphins are just an absolute, you know, just mess. Uh, Josh Allen had probably his best game of the season last week uh, going up against the same Dolphins defense um John Brown this is kind of a get well spot for Odell Beckham and Jarvis Landry to go with Baker Mayfield um much like the first two quarterbacks we talked about I think the biggest question we have here is you know can the Dolphins keep up um will Baker have to throw um you know 30 35 times I don't think necessarily with at 5900 we need peak Baker Um, but I think it's worth noting this year that we have not had a Baker Mayfield game where he scored more than twenty three DraftKings points. Um and fifty nine hundred is is, you know, as high of a price as he's had since week four. So um, you know, Baker's is probably still priced up a little bit much uh you know even for my taste so you know I I, I don't know that Baker is necessarily something I'm, I'm definitely going to look at in tournaments but I think anytime you are going up against that Miami defense I mean it, he's definitely viable um I think the problem we run into this week at quarterback is just you know as you move down down the pricing um you know I would love to to say you know Like Detroit comes to Washington, that's like such such a smash spot for most teams. But I mean, you can't trust Dwayne Haskins even at forty nine hundred. I mean, that's just not a place you're probably going to go. You know, maybe if you're like mass entering tournaments, you go with like a Dwayne Haskins, you know, Terry McLaurin stack and try to you know try to get some some cheap money there so you can pay up for some other guys. I just don't think the upsides there necessarily for Dwayne Haskins to to you know have enough of a ceiling game. Uh, to help you take down a tournament. Um, personally, uh, the place that I would probably look at is maybe Nick Foles um, going into Tennessee. You know, um, Foles last week. You know, coming off of um, you know his first game since week one. I mean, respectable. Uh, two ninety six, two touchdowns, eighteen point eight DraftKings points. Uh, his price this week somehow. Um, he was fifty five hundred last week. Somehow he's actually went down to fifty four. I'm sorry, he's fifty-six hundred last week. He went down to fifty-four hundred. Um going up against the Tennessee defense is twenty-eighth against the pass. Um I think that five hundred dollar savings moved down to Nick Foles. Um off of someone like Baker could potentially um be a strong pivot there. I do not like uh, obviously, Mason Rudolph going against Cincinnati this week. That is, I don't like that. Um, you know, interesting scenario Bruin kind of in Chicago. You've got Trubisky at fifty one hundred. You've got Chase Daniel um, at five thousand. Uh, I I don't know. I don't know if I would go there even against a bad Giants defense. I don't know that I would go there. Um, you know, Trubisky's hip is obviously an issue. Um, again, with Chase Daniel, I'm not sure there's enough of a ceiling there, even at 5,000, um, for him to be viable. You know, we're hoping to get 15 points out of him in cash. Uh, I just don't know that we can get there. So uh, probably staying away from the Chicago quarterbacks and really the conundrum we kind of run into, um, is that a lot of our, you know, a lot of our quarterbacks, we kind of like to look towards either have a bad matchup this week or they're priced up. Um, and DraftKings has done a really nice job of, of kind of pricing these guys, you know, where they should be based on matchup. So I think, I think right now, you know, it's going to be interesting to kind of see roster construction. Um, the only, you know, the only other place that I would look to maybe go, and and, and the only reason I would say this is because it kind of looks like a, a bounce back spot is maybe look at Tom Brady at home. Um, against the Cowboys traditionally when Brady has had you know an off game like he had Sunday he tends to bounce back well I mean you go back to week four against Buffalo you know only completed 46 percent of his passes for 150 yards for an interception uh you know next week he comes out and torches, torches Washington you know last weekend struggled badly in Philadelphia um you know 216 yards no touchdowns just 8.5 DraftKings points you know the week maybe you know for at at $6,000, $6K, Um, ki think Tom Brady might be worth paying up for. And you could get, you know, kind of maybe capture that that four or five times value. I could easily see him maybe getting like, um, like a 24, 25, 30 point DraftKings day just because that seems to be what Brady does. He just kind of seems to bounce back well. Uh, moving to the running back spot, I mean, <laughs> Christian McCaffrey again is at 10500 which is just an obscene number. Uh, but as he's proven, I mean, he's kind of match-up proof. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. That Carolina-New Orleans game is probably going to be super popular. I don't know that Carolina can keep up there um, just because, uh, you know, the quarterback play out of Kyle Allen has just been so bad. Um, I, I just, you know, I kind of tend to, to shy away from, from them. Um in this type of situation and you know I think uh I think if you're looking at you know the Panthers going into New Orleans um you know obviously New Orleans is usually putting up a ton of points um it's really it's really a bad matchup for the Carolina defense but you know McCaffrey's just kind of been matchup proof I mean he's he's absolutely smashed pretty much every week I mean he's these are his last four games. DraftKings points: thirty point five, forty point six, twenty nine point one, thirty three point one. Even at ten five, even at ten five, you are still getting almost three times value every week out of this guy. And when and when you are you know paying ten five and you are getting three times value, that's that's a far cry um, even from paying like eight thousand and getting um, three times value out of someone like you know Saquon or. Or James Conner. And, again, I think we've got to look. And and this is going to be one of those weird running back weeks where, like, you know, people are going to want to pay play, like, you know, Bo Scarborough or, um, you know, people are going to still want to play Kalen Bellage, which I just don't understand. Um, you know, and and like Brian Hill, he's got probably the worst matchup on the board. Um, you know, I think at the running back spot, we're going to have some decisions to make. Um, DraftKings did a nice job with Jalen Samuels this week, pricing him up in light of the James Conner injury going up against Cincinnati. Um, you would think Jalen Samuels probably be very popular, very highly owned, Uh, you know, going against a bad Cincinnati defense. Um, you know, they're coming back from a West Coast trip last week, um, with Conner out or I would, I looks like Conner is going to be out. Um, you know, Jalen Samuels at 7,200. I don't know that I play Jalen Samuels at 7,200. I mean, especially when I can drop down and get to, like, Derrick Henry against a, a run funnel, Jacksonville defense. Um, you know, I can look at even, like, Kareem Hunt. Um, you know, is it a James White game this week for um, New England? Uh, you know, Darius Geis, I think, is interesting at, at 4.7K, uh, going up against Detroit, who's last in the league against the run. And, I mean, Geis showed a little bit of juice last week. Um so, so, you know, looking at the running back position, I, I don't think that someone like Samuels is, is necessary. Again, in tournaments, you know, he might be a good play, just given the fact that 7,200 seems like a steep price for him. Um, he's, he's largely dependent on catching the ball in the backfield. It's hard to say how they're going to attack the Cincinnati defense this week, so I don't know that Jalen Samuels will be uh, probably in one of my main builds. Um, you know, I think McCaffrey's always viable, but, again, I think it's a matter of can we get up to him in terms of price, um, you know, you got Kamara at 8,200, you got Nick Chubb at 8,100, Chubb will probably be the chalk, um, this week, just because, you know, at 8,100 going against a bad Miami team, um, I think people probably think that he'll get a lot of carries, you know, maybe in the second half. Um, I, I just think 8,100 is a lot for, for a guy who's right now, um, you know he's sharing that backfield with Cream Hunt, and and you know he just has no pass game involvement. And on a PPR site, that just makes him so touchdown dependent. I mean, and if he can get a couple of touchdowns, he's definitely viable at eighty one hundred. But I just I think that I think you're asking for too much touchdown upside um, on a PPR site. Uh you know, moving down the list, I, I think Leonard Fournette at seventy three hundred is interesting. Um, you know, kind of thought that he would have a bigger game last week and he, he disappointed. Um, so, you know, Leonard Fournette could be another option. Um, the, the guy that I, I really, I think I I probably want to talk about more than any though. And I mean, even more than like Bo Scarborough, um, you know, 4,200 is, is probably viable if you think he's going to get most of the steps, but, um, you know it's just a matter of kinda of how the coaching staff's gonna use him. But um you know the guy that I kinda of wanna talk about um, is well we already talked about Darius Geis, um, is Miles Sanders. Uh, Miles Sanders comes in priced at five thousand. He's at five K, which is price jumped up nine hundred dollars from last week. Um did not get the work in the passing game that he normally does. Only only two catches on four targets. Um, in a backfield that he's largely you know now owning right now. Assuming Jordan Howard's still out. Um, I think Miles Sanders could actually be a nice pivot this week. Um, and a good tournament play going up against the Seattle defense is just kind of mediocre against the run. Um, if Seattle's game plan is to try to keep if, uh philadelphia's game plans to try to keep seattle off the field Uh, miles sanders have a big day here and i don't think that there's too many people that are um a threat to him for carries and touches uh when i was watching the game on sunday i actually thought to myself man you know miles sanders getting a lot of work here um you know maybe this is one of the situations they continue to give him extra work and, and start to give him the ball more trust him a little bit more um you know, and in a week where maybe we're trying to find some value at the running back position, um, I think I think a guy like Sanders, a guy like Geis, maybe Kareem Hunt, you know, David Montgomery, if you really want to make a dart throw. Uh, again, I just have a hard time on DraftKings rostering guys that don't catch passes. So, I, you know, I think it, it's going to be interesting. Roster construction, construction is going to be very interesting this week. And there will be plays that open up. And, again, it's early in the week to kind of talk about some of this stuff because we got to figure out, you know, injuries and things like that. So, you know, monitor some of these things as we're moving forward to the week. Um, wide receiver, Michael Thomas, uh, he was priced at nine grand last week, I believe, $9,900. Um, his price is down to 9300 going against Carolina. Um, not worried about James Bradbury against him. Thomas operates in a different way than Julio Jones did. I, I don't think Bradbury can handle him. Um, Julio priced all the way up to 800 That's up from 7,500 last week um still think he's a strong stacking target with Matt Ryan um Odell Beckham though priced up to seven grand both Tampa Bay wideouts are at 72 and 7,300 um you know and and there's there's guys that I wouldn't touch this week like John Brown at 6,700 against Denver no thank you um I d I don't obviously think I want Amari Cooper going up against New England. Um at sixty six K. Again, both are probably viable in tournaments because the you know, the ownership's gonna be low and you know, maybe you get a ceiling game type situation. Um but I, I just I think in your range of outcomes that would be probably towards the, the range or where it's it's less likely. Uh I do think Jarvis Landry could be a nice pivot off of Odell at sixty three hundred. Um You know, I just I think any wide receiver, and I think you know Landry's running more routes down the field this year. But I think any wide receiver can eat against them. Um, You know, and wide receivers normally where we kind of find some value. But DraftKings done a nice job of kind of working through their algorithm to make sure that it accounts for you know teams that just aren't very good. Um, You know, and continuing to move down through. you know, some of these wide receivers just to see if there's anybody kind of in the value range um, that maybe we would want to bring up. I mean, you know, one name that that I've always liked um, is Nelson Aguilar, uh, especially if, you know, Ashton Jeffrey's out again. Uh, I think it'd be a night, nice, you know, potentially a nice day for him on the cheap. Um, and then, you know, Tyler Board with, uh, Boyd with a squeaky wheel narrative, you know, came out today saying that, he wasn't getting the ball enough, so um, you know, maybe maybe they'll try to throw in the ball more. Um you know, some of these some of these guys though, I mean, DraftKings is just I, I think they're screwing up. I mean, like Tyra Williams for fifty nine hundred. I mean, I, I think he would almost be lock button for me at fifty nine hundred. Um maybe the same thing with like, you know, Curtis Seaman at fifty four hundred. Um just because I always have to run up, you know, and just figure out what we want to do with him. Um, looking at some of the higher price guys. I mean, I, you know, I just think it's, again, it comes down to roster construction. You know, do you trust Julian Edelman? I I don't think I do, even in a PPR format. I, like I said, I've already said already, I didn't want any part of John Brown. Um, you know, Kenny Galladay might be a play this week against Washington um he'll probably get the best of Josh Norman I can't imagine that Josh Norman will put up much of a fight for him um Calvin Ridley had the big day last week coming back this week priced up to 6,500 but again gets another great matchup with uh with Tampa Bay um and one guy that they probably didn't price up enough honestly is Cameron Sutton or uh Corland Sutton um you know, I know he's going against a pretty tough Buffalo defense, but, I mean, Courtland Sutton just absolutely ate last week. Actually, he's in the last two weeks. Um, it looks like getting, you know, kind of getting Emmanuel Sanders out of the way might have might have paid the way for Courtland Sutton to start getting all these touches, which is really good because he's a really talented guy. Um, but I don't know that 6,200 is nearly enough of a discount for a guy like that, especially if we can drop down and get Tyra Williams at 5,900, get... Curtis Samuel at 5,400. I mean, I just think there's a lot of other ways that maybe you can go. Um, As far as tight end goes, moving there. Uh, News and notes on Austin Hooper is that he um, he hasn't been ruled out from practicing Thursday or Friday. Uh, They're going to keep monitoring and kind of see how he does. My guess is he doesn't play. I think Zach Ertz is a strong play against Seattle this week. Um, Unfortunately, our flow chart that suggests tight ends against Arizona is not going to be needed because, well, Arizona's on a buy this week. Um, But tight end, you know, it's just it's always a wasteland. I mean, I think you've got kind of some decisions to make there. You know, do you go cheap, which has been my preferential thing. I mean, it's just hitting on the right cheap tight end. You know, who's going to produce this week? I mean, maybe you get like a TJ Hawkinson week or maybe you get a Vance McDonald week or, you know, maybe you get a, um, you know, a... Darren Waller, we got – a lot of it just is going to depend. Um, I, I don't think – you know, even though Waller's price is way down, um, down to – well, actually, it's up a little bit from where it was last week, but it's down from where it was a couple of weeks ago at 6,300. I mean, I think even a Waller at 5,700 is, is maybe worth a play. Um, you know, some of this we're going to have to monitor some injury situations with Ingram and and Delaney. And just kinda of see where they're at. So um but yeah, I mean when we're looking at, at some of these positions, I usually prefer to punt the tight end uh to try to fend in more guys that maybe I like. Um, and you know, it's it's just tight ends a crapshoot. So we gotta try to do the best we can there. Um, you know, Greg Olson, he's only four to one hundred, but again, his price is is about a thousand more than it was uh last week. So um, that's just kind of a brief overview of DraftKings for this week and the pricing, and, and maybe you can compare those notes with your own. But that just gives you a pre, kind of a pre look at what we did there. Um, and let's just let's just have some fun here. Let's just go in and make a lineup. So we'll do. Let's see. And just looking right now, I've got Tom Brady, Kamara, um, and we're going to throw Edelman in with Tom Brady. So we got those three. Defense, I'm always fascinated to see what they do. No defense is under two grand this week. That's wild. That's wild. Um, so, you know, I guess for some of this stuff, you got some decisions to make. But um, I'm going to go with Seahawks D. Probably have to come down off of Holyo to get to where I want to get, which isn't really optimal. That's that's not what I really want because I want Holyo this week. But, um so maybe get off of Edelman, drop down to Sanu. Let's see where that puts us. Mohammed Sanu, 5,500. Okay, now we're cooking. That puts us 4,700, um, which is perfect because we can put Darius Geis. So what I got is Tom Brady, Avin Kamara, Chris Carson, Mohammed Sanu, Julio Jones, Robbie Anderson, Vance McDonald, Darius Geis, and the Seahawks D. That is for a GPP. And again, I mean, it's early. It's Tuesday in the week, a little bit early to to try to come up with some of this stuff. Um, but just thought I'd give you guys a little different perspective this week. Um, I'll be out of town next week, so I don't know the fantasy football files will happen. If you don't hear from me, guys, have a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, as always, I appreciate you listening. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Jason Kimlowski. Uh, I hope you guys win some money this weekend. Hope you have some good lineups. Uh, and hope hoping your season-long leagues, you guys will get a win. We will see you, hopefully, next week at this same spot, same time. Have a great week, guys. The Josh Kirby on Sports podcast, part of the Mayo Please podcast network, is sponsored by Route 11 Chips. Make sure you grab a bag today inside your local Martins, Food Lion, and Giant stores. And our new sponsor and fellow sports fans at PM Plus Reserves, providing reserve studies for homeowner and condominium associations in the Washington metropolitan area for the past 30 years. Make sure you check us out on all streaming platforms via the Mayo Please and the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast. You can also find the Josh Kirby on Sports podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, along with the Mayo Please on Twitter. Have any questions for the show? Feel free to shoot us an email at Sports at gmail.com.
0: All right. We are back. Thanks once again to Jason Kamlowski, as always, for Fancy Football Files. A- Uh, Different take this week on fantasy sports, so make sure you take a listen to that segment because it it was very interesting to listen to what he had to say about DraftKings and other fantasy sites like that. So back here with Dan Dembski taking a look at a Week 12 preview starting off Thursday night with the Indianapolis Colts and Houston Texans. The Sunday slate of games, 1 o'clock, Detroit at Washington. If you want to go, Dan, just let me know. Um, (laughs) Tampa Bay playing Atlanta. Denver playing Buffalo. The New York Giants against the Chicago Bears. The Pittsburgh Steelers against the Cincinnati Bengals. The Miami Dolphins and the Cleveland Browns the Carolina Panthers and the New Orleans Saints, the Oakland Raiders and the New York Jets, the Seattle Seahawks and the Philadelphia Eagles, the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Tennessee Titans, and that starts your 405 slate. 425, another big matchup, the Dallas Cowboys and the New England Patriots. NBC Sunday Night Football Green Bay against San Francisco, and Monday Night Football, Baltimore and Los Angeles Rams, Cardinals, Chargers, Chiefs, and Vikings all get the bye week. So, Dan, starting with you, any notable games you are looking out for in Week 12?
1: I think in the early slate of games, I'm looking at um, probably the Panthers and Saints. That's a good divisional matchup. Um, we'll see how the if the Panthers can rebound. Um, obviously, they're they're not the favorite in that game. They're nine and a half point underdogs. But interesting to see how Kyle Allen uh, if he can bounce back against them, a much better team um, away from Carolina in in New Orleans. That's going to be a tough matchup for them. But that seems to be an exciting game. Um, let me see. I, I kind of like the one o'clock matchup: Seahawks and Eagles. Um, you know, we'll see if the Eagles can, the Eagles are actually favorited right now in that game. Wow. That's, that's That's an interesting line. It's only a one and a half point line. So I'm sure it'll shift between now and Sunday, um, when the line closes, but that's, that's interesting right now, but that, that's a game I think that could be, um, I think the Eagles could actually upset the Seahawks in that game. Um, and I'll be watching out for that one. Um, also, you know, I think that that's really it. As far as the not primetime games, I think the Cowboys pass game is obviously going to be a great matchup. We'll see if the Cowboys can win because it seems like all their wins recently have come against bad football teams and teams who are struggling with injuries. Um, and we'll see if uh, the Cowboys can put my theory to rest. But um, every time the Cowboys wins, Skip Bayless is so obnoxious on Twitter.
0: No, oh, yeah, I hate him. I hate him. I'm sorry, but I hate him.
1: He acts like they won the freaking Super Bowl every time they win. It's like, dude, they just beat the Lions. Calm down. <laughs> so, we'll see if he runs his mouth if uh they end up winning that game, but I, I don't think they will. Uh but we shall see. I, I think the two the two uh prime the two prime games on Sunday uh, Sunday and Monday are very intriguing. Uh Packers-49ers couldn't ask for a better matchup between two of the hottest teams in the NFC right now. Um I think I get the Niners a slight advantage in that game just because they're at home. Um it's tough to go out in the West Coast and play. Um so we'll see if the uh we we'll, I I think that's going to be a high scoring game. Um unlike a lot of the previous primetime games. Um so that's that's a very exciting game and then of course I got to pick my Ravens uh traveling to Los Angeles to take on the Rams on Monday night football. That is that 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 might be one of the best matchups of Monday Night Football this season. There's been some really good ones, but I think that one might take the cake. So that, that one's obviously gonna have my full attention. Um and we'll see if uh see if the Ravens can, can keep their winning ways up. Uh very tough to go out there and win, so we'll see if they can do it. But there's some really interesting games this weekend and there's a couple that are dubs. So um hopefully we can see some good football this weekend and it continues.
0: Yeah, Um. for me, I, I, I'm looking at Green Bay-San Francisco as a very close game, as you said earlier. Two hot teams in the NFC right now. Dallas and New England, obviously. Two good quarterbacks in Seattle and Philly, Carson Wentz and Russell Wilson. I expect them to be battling it out throughout the game. Um. Divisional matchup, Carolina and New Orleans. I'm Interested to see about that. Um, uh, I, not really Pittsburgh and Cincinnati. Um, that's usually a rivalry, but Cincinnati is 0 and 10. So I, I'm yeah. not sure how much you can count on that being a close game. Um, D- Detroit and Washington, I'm expecting Washington to just blow Detroit out of the water. <laughs> Sarcasm huh. right there. Huh. Sarcasm. Yeah. That you know, but yeah, yeah that's about it for close games for week 12 but um we will see what happens and when it does we'll be right back with you next week so i hope everybody enjoys their week 12 and hopefully your fantasy teams do well and everything <laughs> yeah Um, My fantasy team will be struggling because Kirk Cousins and Dolvin Cook are on a buy. So I am picking up people on the waivers like crazy while keeping Kirk Cousins and Dolvin Cook. So interesting to see. But Dan, any last words for the show?
1: Just listen to Jason Kamlowski. He's got all the right picks for you uh, for your fantasy football files. Uh, I know I need to because my fantasy football teams. I got three of them. Two of them are just struggling right now. So um, I need all the help I can get. I think Jason's the guy to turn to at this point.
0: And as always, Jason, you can find him on Twitter at Jason Kamlowski, writer for Dynasty Football Digest. So um, Dan, as always, great pleasure to have you on the show. Next week, we are hoping to get you right back on in studio so yeah. uh, I'm hoping we can make that work out. So that about does it for this episode of the Josh Kirby on sports podcast. As always want to thank Dave Johnson, Jr. Beats official in MPT now productions. We are part of the Mayo police podcast network. You can check them out on Instagram and Twitter, along with all streaming platforms and make sure you check out us on all social media platforms and all streaming platforms. We're sponsored by Route 11 Chips and PM Plus Reserves. As always, want to thank them for everything they do for the podcast as well. Until next time, Dan and Josh saying so long, and we'll catch you next week. Peace out.